This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a beautiful Wednesday night as the Cubs finish off a two-game sweep of the Seattle Mariners up in Seattle. And Brendan, these were a fun couple of games. Yep. There is a lot to talk about. Uh, Only two games, but an awful lot happens here, and a very large portion of it was very, very good. So we will break down these two games rather quickly and then talk about uh, everything that happened in between as the Cubs are off once again on Thursday, and we will get you ready for a very big contest as the Cubs and Cardinals meet for the first time in the 2019 season. This meeting will happen at Wrigley Field, and the Cardinals will enter the series in first place in the NL Central. So uh, a very 
exciting matchup this weekend. Uh, Usually the Cubs and Cardinals have a lot of buzz around their matchups regardless, but uh, with both teams playing well, it should be a big weekend at Wrigley Field. But let's jump in to these two games up in Seattle. I believe it was the first time the Cubs have visited Seattle in about six years. So always interesting to get up there to a stadium that we don't often see. The Cubs winning the first game 6-5. to It was a back-and-forth affair. Daniel Descalso started the scoring in this one with the Cubs' first leadoff home run of the year, his second of the season. The Cubs would extend the lead to 2 to nothing in the top of the fourth on an Albert Almora seeing-eye single that got through the infield. In the fourth, Cole Hamels would surrender that lead. Jay Bruce, Braden Bishop, and D. Gordon combining to put the Mariners ahead 3-2. to two. In the top of the fifth, one of my favorite innings of the year, the Cubs fall down in the fourth, as I just said, 3-2, to two, and Brizzo need just two plate appearances to get that lead back. This team is at its best, Brendan, when Brizzo is at the heart of it all. Chris Bryant leads off the inning with a double, and Anthony Rizzo deposits his sixth home run to put the Cubs up 4-3. to three. The Mariners would tie things up in the six on a D. Gordon single and take the lead on an en- Edwin Encarnacion bomb off of Brandon Kinsler. Joe left him in just a little too long, uh, but that's Encarnacion's eighth. He hits a lot of home runs, so it's not the worst thing in the world. In the top of the eighth, though, the Cubs would regain the lead, and it is Bam Bam Kyle Schwarber, and he sent this one to the moon, folks. The pitcher he was going against featured a a rather fast changeup, and I got to be honest with you, I was not super confident uh, about the at-bat and the matchup for Schwarber, but Kyle decided, you know what, I'm going to sit on this changeup, and if he gives me one, I'm going to destroy it he gave him the changeup, folks, and that put the Cubs up 6-5, to five, and that is where we would finish. Steve Ciszek getting the save, escaping a major jam in the bottom of the ninth inning, and he delivers a Pedro Strope-esque fist pump display afterward that has got to be the most pumped up I have ever seen Steve Ciszek, so that was always fun to see. Mm-hmm. And a little aside, one of my favorite things at the end of this game was Wilson's face, kind of like when he notices that C-Sheck is getting really excited, like he's obviously already really <laughs> excited, but I think it pumped him up even more that C-Sheck was, was meeting him on that level. That was a, a little funny thing when they had that camera view. But the, the moral of the story here is the Cubs use the long ball to win this game. Cole Hamels was just okay in this game, a little wild again like we saw in that Dodgers start, though this is back-to-back starts for Hamels against two teams that are very patient and have good offenses, so read into that what you will. His overall line, five and a third, six hits, two earned runs, four runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. So still a pretty good start for Cole Hamels, and I think in line with what I've continued to say about this rotation, even if he wasn't getting his best results, a little too much in the walk column, not helped by his defense. Six hits, keeps the team in the game, and the offense takes care of the rest. The double play ball also big in this game for the Cubs. I know Brendan is a big fan of watching David Bodie 
make those throws big to fan. second base yep. uh, from third. But the Cubs getting three big double plays in this game, including one in the ninth inning. Uh, Steve Ciszek getting Tim Beckham a really nice turn from Descalso to Baez. And if you've ever not been sure of just how strong Javi Baez's arm is, it was on full display in these two games here in Seattle. On Wednesday, after the Cubs uh, in that first game officially earn a split in the Pacific Northwest visit here, they take care of business really easily, Brendan, uh, on Wednesday. This was about the most relaxed game. I I could be not thinking of one, but I'm pretty sure of the entire year. Uh, The Cubs put up a six spot in the second inning, and they were going up against Marco Gonzalez, who, if you were paying diligent attention to Brendan's preview of this series, which I'm sure you all do. It's the the best part of this podcast every episode. And he noted that Marco Gonzalez entered this game pitching really well. He started this game uh, with a 5-0 record and a 2.78 ERA. Let me tell you, folks, that is not where either of those numbers sit after he faced these Chicago Cubs. He does not even make it out of the second inning. Let me take you through the scoring in the top of of the second. It started with, guess who? El Mago, Javier Baez, 10th home run of the season. He's now in double digits Mm. already as we enter the month of May here officially. And this was the first home run, guys, that Marco Gonzalez had surrendered at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. To be honest with you, I thought it was still called Safeco. So when they started saying T-Mobile, I'm like, what are they talking about? Where is that? (laughs) Anyway, Uh, my ignorance aside, uh, he had not given up a home run at home since August 3rd of 2018. Well, he hadn't been pitching to Javier Baez in Seattle. So that stat is erased as well. That made it one to nothing. Jason Hayward's single made it two to nothing. Ben Zobris took a bases loaded walk. Chris Bryant took a bases loaded walk. Anthony Rizzo with a sack fly. And then guess who comes up once again in this inning? Javier Baez. He doubles to bring in another run that made it six to nothing. Now, a little, a little note there. Javi Baez hit a home run and a double in the second inning, uh, so he, you know, ends up with two RBIs there. He needed two pitches to do that. He only saw two pitches in the entire inning. He homers and doubles. If that doesn't sum up El Mago in, in a nice little package, I, I don't know what else does. But this was pretty awesome. Uh, in the third, Ben Zobra's sack fly made it seven to nothing. In the fourth, Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras homer Rizzo's seventh of the season and Wilson's eighth of the season. That made it nine to nothing in the top of the ninth. Wilson Contreras with a sack fly, 10 to nothing, and Kyle Schwarber with a sack fly himself. 11 to nothing. And that is where this one would end. But don't think I'm going to forget to mention the starting pitcher on Wednesday. Number 34, the lefty, ya boy, John the legend, freaking the legend. Lester. He improves to two and one Unreal. on the season. Just take take a minute. This is like a like an ASMR video reading this line, right? It's it's so beautiful how it sounds. Seven innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, Mm. one walk, Mm -mm -mm. eight 
strikeouts wow. for John Lester. He was on one today. You knew as soon as he stepped on the mound, he had that cutter command. He was hitting those edges. Yep. It was going to be one of those days. He goes to 2-1 and one on the season, lowers his ERA to one. Point seven point three. Where are my three. people at that were worried about his spring mm. training numbers? Let's I don't go. hear you guys anymore. That 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 recent gif we got of Javi doing the I can't hear you in the dugout. I'm looking for you. Where are my Lester haters <laughs> at? Don't doubt John Lester. I've told you this forever and ever and ever. It does not matter the stuff that he's working with. He is going to figure it out. Not to mention this is only his second start back. Uh, from the injured list off of a hamstring injury. John Lester is that dude, okay? You got to figure that out by now, or I I can't help you. I've been doing my best to preach that gospel, Brendan, uh, but that's just the way it is. So all told, there, there, there's your recap. There's, there's an awful lot that goes on here, and we're going to, you know, break down some of the little nuances. But for a two-game set, this went pretty much about as well as it could have gone. You get a game where the team, you know, shows a lot of heart and, and continues to stay in it and fight back and win a close game on the road, Schwarber getting that big hit for the home run there, and then they blow him out against a, a guy who's been really good in Marco Gonzalez on Wednesday. Beautiful stuff. And just a couple of schedule notes for you. Again, we've we've mentioned that the Cubs had not lost a series since uh, that April 5th through 7th series with the in Milwaukee against the Brewers, uh, they are six zero and one in their last seven series since that Brewers series. The only non-win again is that uh, split, the two-game split with the Angels at Wrigley Field when the Sunday game was weathered out. Uh, and the Cubs are fourteen and five in their last nineteen games. Again, that that go, coincides to the start of that Pittsburgh series at home. Like I said before we got on, Brendan, this is a hype episode. Brendan and I have our conductor's hats on. We are on the train. The hype train is leaving the station uh, because this team is rolling right now. They are playing really well. The offense looks phenomenal. The starting pitching continues to be good. And the bullpen, you know, has still continued. Continued to do a good job despite, you know, the the blip every now and again from one of these guys. But Brendan, it's only two games uh in Seattle, but the Mariners were, you know, have been playing quite well. The Cubs face a couple pitchers who had been doing well, and they come out with two wins. It's hard not to feel really good about this team right now. They are at 16 and 12 after starting the season one and six. Uh, this is pretty great right now. Unreal. Unreal. And this series almost feels like a continuation from the Diamondback series where Baez was hitting and KB was hitting despite, you know, hitting into some outs. Rizzo was looking good. Everyone was looking good. And it's funny because, you know, as Corey and I were prepping for this episode, we were like, okay, what are the focal points? Corey said Rizzo. I said Contreras. Corey's like, you know what? Maybe it's Baez. And I said, no, you know what? Maybe it is KB. This is a good time. Good problem everyone, to have. Everyone is playing. Yeah, everyone's playing well. And to have Lester come back out again, Corey, again, his second start back from his hamstring tightness, whatever that was, this going out there and shoving against really a quality Seattle Mariners team. I think, what, they were leading the league in homers yeah. or something like that? Well, and certainly that, one that if you make mistakes, they're going to make you pay. 
Yeah, man. I mean, and they're traveling through these wacky time zones. They've been in the West Coast now for almost a week. Come on. This is a huge, a huge road trip for them right ahead of the Cardinals series. But I think my my biggest takeaway from the Mariners series is just got to be like the systematic change in offense. They are hitting the hell out of the baseball. Wilson Contreras has eight home runs. He had 10 last year. Baez has 10 home runs already. Already 10 homers. He's on pace for over 60 home runs, Corey. Come on. And Rizzo's looking better. I don't... Look, I can just rant on for about an hour about why we're so excited about this team, but it's, it's so refreshing because a lot of our concerns over the last offseason was, okay, can Baez repeat? Can Contreras regain that form? Can Chris Bryant come back and be the same guy he was? And really, everyone is almost exceeding your expectations. And KB is getting back on track. Corey, we're back, man. This team is back. Uh, but I, I just want to read this 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 line comparison uh, from Aaron Kennelly at Aaron underscore Kennelly on Twitter. He is, of course, a friend of the podcast. And he, he notes that here is the slash line for the 2016 Cubs. The 2016 Cubs, you may remember, won 103 games Ooh, uh, and yeah. also won the World Series. So, they won the World Series, correct? Yes. yes yeah. I, I do just yeah. want to clarify that. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, an interesting thing to compare it to, and yes, I will add the caveat that we are recording this podcast on May 1st, so there there is a lot of season left. We we do understand that, but it's a fun comparison nonetheless. Come on. Enjoy the, the year. Come on. The 2016 Cubs uh, slashed 256, 343, 429 with a 106 WRC+, plus, a 10.4% walk percentage, and a 21.1K percentage. The 2019 Cubs, which is the current year, uh, in case anybody forgot, sometimes I forget, uh, are slashing 259, 350, 458 with a 114 WRC+, plus, a 10.7% walk rate, and a 22.6% K rate. So the only number in 2019 that is worse is the K rate by about 1.5%. So other than that, they have so far put up a better overall line than the team that, again, uh, in case anybody forgot, even that I just said it 30 seconds ago, uh, the 2016 Cubs did win the World Series. It's an important thing to, you know, keep note of. We want to make sure that everybody knows that. Um, Jokes aside, we've said this so far this season, and I think that that stat really sums up what we've been talking about. It's sometimes difficult to uh, exactly... It's not difficult to quantify this stuff, but when we say it looks different than last year, you know, we're talking from even just an eye test level. But I think these numbers really put that into perspective that this is just a different offense than we saw, obviously, in the second half of the 2018 season. And it's worth really looking at because it was such a disaster at the end of last year and such a topic of discussion, as we always say, you know, with Daniel Descalso kind of being the only big change there, you know, obviously you have guys like Bodie getting more playing time, etc. But this offense is in a different place. And to watch them 
these two performances in Seattle, uh, like I said, it's it's so great to see because you get both ends of the spectrum. Like they fall behind a couple times in that first game. Guys step up, hit the long ball to get the offense back in it. And then on Wednesday in the finale, they are just relentless against a guy who has been really good and even better at home. And you're watching it, and it does give you kind of some of those flashbacks to 2016 yeah. because we, yeah. you know, we we bring up that quote from Jed Hoyer all the time where he talked about, you know, the offense last year and, and even in 2017 to a degree, just not feeling that same level of relentless against the opposing pitcher, not striking that fear into guys that this offense might make it difficult for me to get out of the second inning, the third inning, the fourth inning. This Cubs offense is coming to town. You better get your bullpen loose because they're going to make you work through this series to get them out. And it just has that feel so far in 2019. And, you know, we talked about it too. Like, you look at these last few series, like, they're playing teams that have been playing very well. The Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Mariners, you know, even going back to the Pirates and Angels who have been, you know, winning some games themselves. Like, but especially these last three series, the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, and the Mariners have not necessarily been losing that often, but they have to the Cubs. And it's tough right now not to feel quite good uh, about where this team is. But I, I want to throw it to you, Brendan, on, on a player that you mentioned, and we'll start with him. Um, you mentioned this already, but I, I don't think you emphasized it quite enough. Wilson Contreras hit his eighth home run on Wednesday. He had 10 homers in 2018, guys. This is one of the biggest storylines we talked about all season was if you could get Wilson Contreras to be the player that we know he can be, that we've seen him be in the past, but that he clearly was not in 2018. It is a massive deal for this team. And we are through 103 plate appearances for Contreras right now. He's got a 301 batting average, a 427 on base percentage, a 663 slugging, good for a 446 Woba and a 181 WRC plus. Again, 100 is league average for WRC plus. Wilson is tearing the cover off of the ball, folks. And look, I can't tell you exactly. We noted, I think, on a podcast uh, a few episodes ago that he's made some pretty clear changes to his swing. He's crouched more. He's raised his hands uh, a little bit more so that they're kind of aligned with his ear when he's loading up. Uh, I believe we've written about this on CubsInsider.com. You can take a look at some of those visuals. I know Brett from Bleacher Nation pointed this out as well. It's, It's pretty noticeable if you compare the two. But, Brendan, it seems, call me crazy, that Wilson cut some chili out of his diet, and now the man is eating right. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, what other explanation 
is there? I mean, we joke about it, but it's kind of, maybe it is kind of true. But I think for Wilson, we knew he had this potential in him. And that was why his last season was so troublesome, but at the same time, so puzzling. Like, how can this guy who was on pace for over 30 homers in 2017 play like Ryan Terrio that year? Not to throw Ryan Terrio's name in there, but I'm doing so negatively, so it doesn't count. But seriously, how how was that possible? And I think getting Wilson Contreras back on track this year and having him look like that same guy that he was in 2017, it balances everything out so nicely, Corey. And we, we saw it too. But one point I do want to just emphasize, because we find ourselves talking about it a lot, and I think it's worthwhile to always kind of bring it up in, in total context when talking about this team. And for Wilson Contreras, his exit velocity, like you would imagine it's high, right? Like it's not. His exit velo is not high. It's basically slower than 70% of Major League Baseball hitters right now. That doesn't mean he's not hitting the ball hard. And there's there's this like misconception where, okay, if you have an exit velocity that's you know greater than 90, 92 miles per hour, then that's what makes you good. And it's that's not it. So even though Wilson's not, you know, really hitting every single ball over a hundred miles per hour, when he does make contact, they are being blistered. And so his expected, you know, weighted on base average is better than 90% of the league right now, Corey. So you have this weird discrepancy, and it's just Wilson's seeing the ball. He's taking the pitches where they're being thrown, which I think is kind of the the key for him that we're seeing. If if he's being thrown, you know, pitches on the outside portion of the plate, he's taking the ball to the opposite field. If he's being thrown inside on the hands, he's pulling the ball down the line. We just saw him do that to basically secure that one win with that three-run double a few days ago. That is what Wilson is doing. He's taking what's coming to him, and he's not trying to do too much with it. And that's that's the key. And to see him have a Woba that's basically, what is it now, like over 450 after 446. today? Okay, come on. That is insane, Corey. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that simple. I, I think that we we know that Wilson can be this player. We've seen it in you know large spurts before. And I think there were a lot of us who, you know, again, as, as 2018 was going on, you know, you didn't necessarily want to just say, oh, it's Chili Davis's fault. They tried this approach, you know, trying to spread the ball more, not necessarily going for as much just pure slugging and, and trying to, you know, fit everybody into this type of approach. And you didn't necessarily want to say, oh, this is responsible for it and just kind of wipe your hands of it. But he you know, looks like a different player. I think this is the player we're seeing right now that I think we all kind of expected to be to begin last year, you know, when we were talking about could he be like an MVP candidate, that type of thing. And so to be seeing yeah. it is rather exciting. Um, and yeah, dude, like those numbers are massive. And again, like we're through the, the first full month of the season. This is not really like a, a super small sample anymore. He's over 100 yeah. plate appearances. Like... This is big stuff, um, but I think that the natural transition there, since you mentioned it, uh, is to go to one Javi Baez, and b- before I get into his stat line, I have to read this quote that just came on Twitter because it's it's too good. I, I don't want to wait till we do the preview. Uh, 
Jesse Rogers from ESPN tweeted out that Javi was asked if he was looking forward to playing the Cardinals on Friday, and Javi's response was, quote, that's who we play now? I really don't pay attention to that. (laughs) It's too good. Um, oh, they're, man. they're just too boring of an opponent for Javi to, you know, have, have bookmarked that on, on his calendar. Do you think, do you think that was like in sarcasm? No, I bet he Javi actually doesn't pay attention. I know. I, I, I know. bet that I they, he, he knows they're going home and, you know, he'll start digging into the matchups and stuff on the flight back or the... Javi you know, doesn't care. He has no idea who tomorrow. he's playing, Corey. Oh, I would love for people... Well, and, and I think the, <laughs> one of the first replies to that Jesse Rogers tweet was, uh-oh, Yachty's going to throw a tantrum about this too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we we jest. At the end of the day, the cards are in first right now. So it, it yeah, is kind of a, you know, well. you, you got to well. put up first uh, as, as we play this series. But the, it's just too funny. Like, I'm assuming Javi actually doesn't know. But regardless, it given the uh, boring talk this offseason and the little feud over an innocuous comment from Chris Bryant that we good. saw this offseason, it's it's too good. But let's talk about El Mago. And we've talked about him a lot. And I, there's, there's just nothing for us to do. As we sit down and prepare for these podcasts, like, he's, every he's the lead. Time. I mean, he just is. So um, if there's anybody out there who's like, man, these guys talk about Javi Baez a lot, um, one— what are you nuts? Like, you know, who are you that's complaining about Javi Baez? I don't think that's anybody, but I'm just saying. Uh, but two, there's nothing we can do about it, guys. The guy is is on fire. He has had this team pretty securely on his back for uh, a year plus a year. now, <laughs> and just continues to kind of do really astounding things out on the baseball field. And, you know, like we said, he hits his 10th home run in this series, taking Gonzalez deep for the first time in Seattle since last August is the last time he gave up a home run in his home ballpark. Uh, He's got a 314 batting average, a 352 on base, 653 slugging, 411 Woba, 157 WRC plus through 128 plate appearances on the 2019 season. He is showing off his range, his arm, his cannon of an arm at shortstop. Like I mentioned in the game on Tuesday night, you know, there are some double plays that other players don't turn. It it comes down to Javi's quick arm and, and just the absolute strength of his arm to make those plays. There, there was a good one, uh, I think, in the earlier innings or the middle innings on Tuesday where there was a ball up the middle, and, you know, you can kind of see that that instance where Javi sort of just, like, shoves Descalso out of the way and steps <laughs> on the bag himself and, you know, fires a rocket to first to get both out. And it's just like, yeah, dude, I like, I got this. Like, just get out of the way. Like, I, I, I've got it. Uh, I'm El Mago, and I'm going to handle this. But... I don't even know if I have more to say specifically on this. I just wanted to read his updated slash line, talk about the fact that he's in double-digit home runs already. He's got 24 RBIs on the season. It's it's just we we keep saying it's just it's just a joy to watch. And I, I did confirm that the article that I had been talking about, I think in last episode about is this Javi's team, was indeed from Tony Andraki. So I did just want to make sure yeah. that I clarified that that is indeed who wrote that. And, you know, by the day, it just seems like that more and more. And there were a ton, 
Brendan, a ton of Cubs fans at this series in Seattle. Shout out to everybody that made the trip or, you know, lives in Seattle because yeah, the Cubs represented impressive. really well there. The Mariners players were commenting on it. The Cubs players commented on it. I think Schwarber had to like tip his cap at one point going out to the outfield because it was just such a raucous <laughs> ovation for him that, you know, they, they he had no choice. But it's, it's weird to do that on the road. But it's like, this is all Cubs fans. And I, I just bring that up, and I'll throw it to you after this, Brendan, because this was another ballpark. Add it to the list. I, we're getting close to all of them. It'll, you know, take some time because they don't play all the American League teams. But this is another ballpark on the list where we hear Javi, 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 ringing out in a place that is not Wrigley Field. And we've kind of paid attention to this, especially last year as the MVP chance started picking up and stuff. But this is like truly amazing. Every ballpark the Cubs go to have had Javi chance ring out through them. He's he's taken over, folks. And I say this all the time. It's one of my favorite lines. Uh, But it never seems to stop being true at this point. It's Javi's world and we just live. Are you surprised that he's doing this, like, to a greater extent? Like, here's here's what I mean by that. And we, we talked about it during our season previews. But going into this year, I think there was a lot of questions whether Javi can repeat his essentially MVP year that he had last season. And I, for one, I'm not going to speak for you, but me, I am a little surprised that he's doing this, like, to a greater extent he's 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 almost better than last season and again i'm not that's not to say oh i have no faith in el mago i'm not I'm you not just mean to that. this extent yeah well i mean Corey, he's on pace for over 60 homers man he's <laughs> on pace for over 60 home runs and it's not as if you look at how he plays and you're thinking oh he's gonna slow down no like there's basically no one else in the league right now Corey. i i, I mean this literally no one else in the league has better peripherals than Javi Baez. His expected slugging, batting average. For for me, yeah, I am surprised. I, I am surprised. I think when players who swing that much, who whiff that much, yet still have that power, they, for me, are hard to project going, you know, year to year. And Javi, Javi's a different cat. I don't know what it is. He just, he's, there's something different about this guy. And he's continuing to get better. We, we talked about it. But just to emphasize once again, Javi's not the same guy he was even last September. Even, maybe even spring training. I have to go back and look. But he's more relaxed at the plate. And I'm not saying that's demeanor, but I'm saying as like his batting stance, his mechanics, his approach, his stride. Everything is more relaxed. JD with Len on air said, you know what? Javi almost looks as if he's playing rec men's league softball. He's going up there. He's basically winding up like you see a rec men's league softball guy do. That's different from last year. So as the year progresses, pitchers are going to naturally adapt to Javi. And so far, at least in the past you know, 180 games now, Javi's adapted with them and he's continuing to adapt right now. And I think that's that this should not be taken for granted. Like Javi, while he's putting up similar to better numbers this year than last year, he is a little bit different. He is, I think, personally, I think he's better and more improved right now than he was when the season ended, you know, a year ago. And that is scary to think. 
Yeah, Brendan, this is fun stuff. I, I I do see what you mean, and and I think the the you know kind of like wreck men's ball comment. He he looks so confident in just who he is, and we've talked about this before, where he has just found a way to mostly be himself, but morph it into the highest level, you know, highest performing version of. El Mago, and it's a, an absolute joy to watch. And he, you know, you just, he's appointment viewing. I think Len has said this before that he's one of those guys that you tune in every game expecting him to wow you in one way or another, whether it's the base paths with his slides, whether it's on defense with his range, his dives, his throws, his tags at the plate with, you know, hitting balls that are at his shoes for for hits, hitting massive home runs. The the guy is just doing everything, and it's an absolute joy to watch. Uh, Hashtag, that's my shortstop. But I do want to go to another man you mentioned. This is a fun one, Brendan. We're just kind of going down the list, and it's it's just good stuff to uh, talk about. But I I do want to talk uh, one Anthony Vincent Rizzo, who hits two home runs in this series. Uh, those numbers climbing up, you know, as we speak. Uh, we, you know, kind of mentioned that that OPS was creeping up there. It's, you know, definitely now looking more Rizzo-ish, if you will. Uh, but again, he hits two home runs in this series. Uh, th- like I mentioned in, in the recap, that that Brizzo inning was awesome. Like, they, they fall behind 3-2, to two. Bryant immediately gets on, Rizzo immediately gives them the lead, uh, and this all off of Felix Hernandez. So that was just kind of one of those like, yes, Brizzo kind of moments. But looking at his overall numbers now, again, they, they're, they're creeping up to pretty much what you would expect from him. I, I think, you know, we'll likely see uh, the batting average still needs to climb overall. But, you know, that's, as we've seen with him really the last two years, he kind of digs himself a hole that takes some time to to get out of. But the overall slash line looks really good. A 231 average, 367 on base percentage. Uh, so he's pretty good at getting on base, guys. Uh, 510 slugging, 373 Woba, and a 132 WRC plus with seven home runs and 20 RBIs on the season. He also, I should note, steals his first base in this uh, series in Seattle. So, you know, he's kind of a, a he, you know, he's a five-tool athlete out there. He really does it all, um, you know, showing his wheels in this Seattle series. But Brendan, you know, this is pretty, you know, we're not there yet. There, There's still room, you know, I think, like I said, the average is going to creep up, but that power is coming back to him. And you look at where he's been in terms of WRC plus, uh, you know, since 2015, with the Cubs, again, 100 being league average, 145 in 2015, 145 again in 2016, 134, 2017, 125 in 2018, you know, likely down, dragged down a lot by that uh, back injury riddled first month, but already back up to 130 on this season, even given the, the slow start that he had in 2019, we've been on this for a while, that Brizzo is heating up, they're going to do their thing, look out, because the rest of the offense around them continues to, you know, do well. I was saying to you before we got on, Brendan, that I don't even know if we're going to have time to really uh, go over like Jason Hayward, who had another really good series in Seattle, Daniel Descalso with a good series, that home run in Seattle. 
But with those guys around them, you know, now you see Rizzo getting there. We'll go to Bryant next, I think. Uh, but Tony's Tony looks like Tony, and that's uh, pretty much all there is to say about it. Yeah, I, I mean, everything is has been in line the entire year, too. I think for, for Rizzo, you want to look for first, is he taking pitches? And second, is he making contact? And for Rizzo, he was doing that all year long. Now, the power wasn't there in the first few weeks, but now it's coming back up. I mean, Corey, that homer that he hit to the opposite portion of the field in Seattle was a, was a shot. I mean, and when Rizzo does that, that's like, for me, that's the trademark Rizzo swing. When he leans back, he takes that pitch dead center to a little bit left field. That's when you know he's on. And I, I have nothing really else to add to that because, for me, it's like not really that surprising that he's coming up and performing very well recently. It's not surprising whatsoever. And I, I think, really, the... The surprising thing for me, at least for this year, is just seeing Wilson perform like this and seeing Javi perform like this. There's never a doubt for me that Rizzo's not going to put up the same numbers. I mean, you've talked about Ben Zobrist having the same slash line every year. I mean, Rizzo is his twin in terms of consistency. You can't get any more consistent than Rizzo. So there's some guys who you just, you trust. You trust to turn it around and get going. And for Rizzo, when he goes through these dry spells, I'm never freaking out. And I freak out about a lot of different things. When Rizzo is slumping, I'm never freaked out. And this is what you expect from him, Corey. So let's go to Chris Bryant, who looked good in this series. And he ends up DHing uh, both of these games. Uh, they, they said hamstring tightness. So he moved to DH uh, in both of these games. But Joe said if these games were at home, Chris would have been out there. So basically just taking the opportunity to get him off his legs a little bit. Uh, but he only knocks the one hit, that double, in this series. Uh, but he's on base a good bit. Uh, I think he walked twice in the series, once on Tuesday, once on Wednesday. And his exit velocity is the place I'm going to direct you uh, for his performance on Tuesday night. And like I said, you know, that double key to, uh, you know, then Rizzo coming up and giving the Cubs the lead. But as we've repeated, like it's not all just about exit velocity, but of all people who have the launch angle portion of things figured out, it's Chris Bryant. So once the exit velocity comes, it's the natural combination for success. But his four batted balls in Seattle on Tuesday, a 105.4 mile an hour lineout, a 105 mile per hour flyout, a 110.6 mile per hour double, and a 108.3 mile an hour flyout. Again, the, the reason that we read those numbers is because this is indicative that he is not the same guy we saw in the early portion of this year. We kept saying, be patient with him. He'll figure it out. He's Chris Bryant. And this is happening. And, you know, you look at those balls in particular, the expected batting average, expected WOVA, what have you, on all of those should be hits. All of those balls have expected averages that have them as hits. Some of them weigh hits like the the odds that they were converted into outs are very very low 
but, you know, and I'm looking at this article from Evan Altman at CubsInsider.com, and he points out that uh, the line out to right in this game had a 650 expected batting average. The line out to left had a 700 expected batting average. And the only hit that he recorded, a double down the line, had a 730 expected batting average. Like, those are hits, you know, to put it in simpler terms, for all of them at least 65% of the time. So sometimes you get babbipped. The defense is there, guys make plays, it happens, right? But when this seems to be uh, rather annoying, but a trend for him so far this year. We've talked about a few balls that guys have run down for him. You know, you go back to that Melky Cabrera snow cone catch uh, when they were playing at Wrigley against the Pirates, which, you know, you give Melky that play 10 times, he catches it apparently that one time. But he's ripping the ball guys. And I know that there, for whatever reason, are uh, a lot of very negative people out there that want results and nothing else. And I I can't help you there. Like, all I can direct you to is he is ripping the ball. He is ripping the cover off the ball. The batted ball types, line drives, these fly balls, they are good. These are not, you know, wasteful hits that are just hit hard. These are balls that should be going in his hits, Chris Bryant is fine, and the results will soon come. Well, we look at his at-bats, too, dating back to that Arizona series. He was taking what's being thrown to him. It's the same thing with Wilson. Like, in that Arizona series, he had those two oppo homers, right? And he was basically playing pepper with the left field and right field gap. And at least for this Seattle series, now he was pulling the ball. You saw pitchers trying to go in on Chris Bryant. What does he do? He pulls the ball. And he had two missile line drives to left field in that, set, in that first game of the Mariner series, right? And so for, for KB, you treat him, and we have, like Rizzo. There's, there's guys who just, they have it. They have the, the ability to rapidly adjust, to make useful, successful adjustments when they need to. And Chris Bryant's one of those guys. I'm not worried about him. By year's end, he's going to have the numbers you expect to see from Chris Bryant. Same thing with with Anthony Rizzo. And to see it happen right now, though, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch because we get to go on here. We get to figure out, okay, who are we going to highlight? And normally, last year, if Chris Bryant was doing this and if he was coming out of a slump, he would be the focal point. But right now, we're almost, you know, we're three quarters through this podcast episode, and we're now just bringing this up, Corey. Like, think about that. That's where we are in this season, where Chris Bryant is, yeah, he's the focal point of the team, but him breaking out of a slump is not necessarily, like, you know, big news, uh, so to speak. It's it's the entire team, the entire offense. And Chris Bryant is part of that group who is adapting, who are showing signs of getting out of whatever funk they had, even dating from back from last year, or any injury concerns that, that they did have. So... That's that's where that's where I'm at. I think top to bottom, and you slot in Zoberis, who by the way had a decent, I think, the last few uh, four or five game stretch. He had that game winning hit in Arizona. He's coming out of it. it. Was his first extra base hit? Just better at bats, in my opinion. But you slot Ben Zoberis or Descaso at leadoff, and then you just go down the list. You go down to Bryant. You go down to Rizzo, to 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 Baez, and then Schwarber. You know you know how I'm thinking about this. There's 
not one easy out. There's really not one easy out. And we could talk about Hayward too even. I mean, he's hitting the cover off the ball still, slowed down a little bit, but still hitting quality baseballs. And Alberto Mora has been looking better. Schwarber had that game-winning homer. He looks better, had several hits on this road trip. This the offense in general is so encouraging. I mean, come on, that's it's incredible to see Corey. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid seventies, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, "This is what I said to you that was a." and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. I think, again, even looking at these numbers and expected batting averages, et cetera, I think just the eye test should tell you that Chris is in a different place than where he was uh, earlier in the season. He's hitting the ball with authority. He's spitting on a lot of, you know, good waste pitches from these pitchers, you know, trying to get him chase. He's taking his walks. It'll come, folks. Like, trust me. It's he, He's ripping the cover off the ball. And this isn't just uh, limited to this series. He was doing the same thing in Arizona. He was doing the same thing against the Dodgers. Like, patience, everyone. It, it's going to happen. You, you see how quickly Rizzo was able to kind of turn this around, get that OPS, uh, you know, back near 880. It's, it's, it, it'll, it'll happen for KB. Don't you worry. Uh, but I do, Brendan, I've managed to not mention it again, you know, since the beginning, but we got to talk about John Lester a little bit, okay? Uh, This was a dazzling performance from John and, you know, just indicative of a, a classic John Lester start, you know, using that cutter to just be lethal against these hitters. And for him to you know, be on the pitch count in that last start against the Dodgers in his first start back from the injured list to come back in this second one against, like we said, a, a Mariners team that if you make mistakes, this is a bad team to make mistakes again, you know, especially with guys like Edwin Encarnacion in the middle of that lineup. For him to have this type of performance, one hit, one walk, you know, and that is the extent of the damage against him eight strikeouts again. He's been racking up the Ks in a lot of these starts. He goes seven innings, 97 pitches, is able to kind of take some of the slack off of the bullpen. You know, the Cubs have an off day on Thursday, but as you head into a big division battle, what else do you say about Johnny? I mean, I mean, really, like, this is one of those things where, again, look, I'll be, you know, perfectly open with you guys, not expecting him to post a sub two ERA on the season. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, But when you watch the start on Wednesday, 
that's what that is a start where I always say he'll figure it out and if you look at the way he approaches these hitters even as his career goes on and the fastball velocity diminishes and we see him you know maybe more regularly have those blow-up starts you know he's had a few of them in the past few years where it's just a total nightmare out there right but even as that happens when he gets out there, there are so many games where hitters are not squaring him up at all. They are off balance, they are uncomfortable, and you can tell that these some very good hitters are trying to figure out how to do any damage against them, and that to me has always been indicative that he's going to be successful. This is not, you know, he's not going out there and serving up batting practice. These are very competitive outings from him and, you know, so far in 2019, he's got the results to prove it. And I, I got to tell you, Brendan, it was kind of fun. You know, Cole Hamels, like I said, wasn't great on Tuesday night, but he was pretty good. Um, but I like this, like, Hamels-Lester back-to-back <laughs> thing. It's it's yeah. it's tough not to go into a series with just those two guys and feel pretty confident that, you know, like, we've got a chance to take two games here. And Lester today was on point. I mean, if you look at his zone profile, he is painting Corey. And that's what you expect from Lester. I think any highlight video you have from him, you see that cutter painted on the lower outside corner to righties. You see him throwing those cutters, those changeups, those curveballs to complement everything else he has, his fastball. That's who John Lester is. And to do that, again, to do that on his second start back from his hand hamstring injury is huge, at least for my psyche, because he, you know he's on point. And going back to seeing Hamels uh, look pretty good, and you know he's having a few stretches here or there, but seeing Quintana continue to get whiffs, I know he had a, a little bit of a hiccup last start, but overall the total sample from this rotation is good. And Lester right now is anchoring that rotation. Again, I mean, he's going to be 35 years old come on that's 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 wild and he's doing the same thing with different stuff i mean he's only throwing 89 90 91 whereas in 2016 he was throwing 92 93 and 94 so his stuff has quote unquote diminished to some degree but he's making up for it he's making up for it by sequencing correctly by going in going out inside outside of lefties and righties he's he's doing what he needs to do he has that that it factor that that ability to just adapt well and i gotta say if he continues to do this like going forward his it's going to be his contract year next year i don't i know you don't want to hear that but guys like lester tend to age well and i'm always reminded always i always think about this when he was signed Theo always mentioned like he wants Lester to be Andy Pettit in the way that Andy Pettit aged because he aged pretty gracefully if you look at those numbers. And if that's what we're getting with John Lester, I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled, honestly, Corey. Uh, John Lester should be a Cub for as long as he wants to keep pitching and if the Cubs, really, or Lester, disagree with that, I will chain myself to the outside of Wrigley Field and, uh, you know, prevent them from opening the doors or something. I, I will stage a protest, but uh, John Lester should not ever pitch uh, for another team in this league. He is a Chicago Cub for good now. 
Uh, that's just how it is. But I do want to read one more start from stat, excuse me, from Aaron Kennelly, who I mentioned before, and he tweeted out that hitters against Leicester's cutter on Wednesday were 0 for 11 uh, in terms of making contact with it, with 7 Ks for the year. Hitters are batting 111, 179, 305 against that particular pitch. That is how John Lester makes his money, and when that pitch is on, so is John Lester. So this is, uh, you know, when you, you know, now that we have him back in the rotation, you know, you combine that with the way that Quintana in particular has been throwing the ball, what we know Kyle Hendricks is going to do, what we've seen from Cole Hamels, you know, especially with his time as a Chicago Cub and similar to Lester, you know, just being one of those veterans that whatever stuff he's dealing with, he's finding ways to, you know, make it productive and at the very least keep the team in the game. And, you know, you Darvish taking those steps, he's he's getting there. We're getting better results, I think, each time. And, you know, hopefully uh, a big start for him coming against the Cardinals this weekend. But again, this rotation looks good. And uh, I was, uh, you know, in favor of it all off season. And uh, I Which always love when, you know, yeah. the Cubs players <laughs> make me look like I have any idea what I'm talking yeah, about. Like it, yeah. Which I don't. But it's nice when I can get away with it. Um, and I, you know, just always believe that the floor was high for this rotation. And I and I think that we're seeing that where, you know, and, and again, I think that that Tuesday start from Hamels is a really good example of it where it's not perfect. You know, there's some nits that you can pick, but overall he's productive and keeps the team in the game. And the offense is able to get back out there, do some work against the Seattle bullpen, and ultimately the Cubs get the two wins. I think the the only other thing to note uh, was that I, you know, thought Kyle Schwarber looked uh, pretty good in this series. Obviously, with the home run in Tuesday's game, he goes one for three with uh, the two RBIs in Tuesday's game. He also takes a walk, and then he was one for four, I believe, in Wednesday's game with an RBI, a run scored. But I I, I do want to—I I drew attention to it earlier, but I, I do just want to mention again that, that at bat uh, that he hits the home run on in Tuesday's game because it, it really seemed like a tough matchup for him uh, with, uh, and I'm glad I, I get an opportunity to, to mention this. The Seattle pitcher <laughs> that gives up this home run's name is Brandon Brennan, which is basically if you had me screw up Brendan's name as many times as I could, that would be this guy's name, Brandon Brennan. So as close to Brendan as we can get uh, without actually getting there. But he was was pumping a, a, a rather fast changeup, um, and you know his changeup sitting at about eighty five to eighty six miles an hour. So you know up there with you know you know uh, a quick changeup, and for Schwarber it just seemed potentially problematic. We've seen him struggle pretty mightily with off speed stuff, especially breaking stuff um, at times. Certainly to start the twenty nineteen season. And for him to be able to hit that pitch and hit it as far as he did was just a good sign. And and I hope something that he can build on, uh, you know, because his timing has looked pretty screwy throughout uh, the season here. You know, like I said, at times he's 
way off on breaking balls. And then, you know, as he tries to um, compensate for that, you know, at times we've seen him weirdly timed on fastballs that he should be killing. Uh, but for him to be confident enough, like, I I know this guy is going to try to get me with this changeup. We're all thinking the same thing, right? Like, he's going to try to get him with the changeup. He sits on it. Mm-hmm. He gets one that catches way too much of the plate. And he you know, wins the game for the Cubs. So, you know, for for someone who's struggled a bit out the gate here and has been a a pretty constant topic, uh, I think, of of discussion really since he came up in terms of his production, this was a a big hit for him. He laid down another one of those fun bunts down the third baseline on Wednesday. So it really just all goes to say, like, this offense is really rounding into shape. And when you see uh, the performance that we've been getting from Jason Hayward. You see Zobris start to heat up a little bit. You see what you've been getting from Descalso. With all the other guys in this lineup, it's it's a scary lineup, and, and it is going to continue, I think, to remind you uh, of when this team has been at, at its peak, certainly going back to 2016, because like you said, Brendan, this is a tough lineup for guys to get through. I mean, even when you're at the bottom of this lineup, it doesn't really get super easy. You've got a lot of guys... Uh, who are putting up big numbers, and you know, even if they're not just yet, you have someone like Schwarber in in the middle to bottom of that lineup. Who, even though he hasn't been putting up big numbers so far, you best not make a mistake to him because you're going to lose the game. Yeah, and I look, I, I got to say too, the the Schwarber hate that is out there. I mean, it is out there. It's not justified. I, I understand some disappointment given his expectations, but even last year, Corey, he batted 238, 26 homers, but in 510 plate appearances. Doing that, though, gave him a 3.2 war, and he was good defensively. He's massively improved in the outfield to the point where we don't talk about his defense really at all unless it's he's making, you know, great plays. He's just he's solid out there now. And even this year, he's off to a slow start, but a lot of what you're seeing is still in line. And I I know like first off, his timing does seem off at times, but he has the ability to just blast baseballs and he did that in Seattle and Schwarber's you know contact rate this year we mentioned the strikeout rate for guys like Rizzo and Zobarist and KB how really when you look at what they're doing if those numbers are not out of sorts then you can expect things going forward to be pretty normal for Schwarber his contact rate is almost 74 percent that's almost at league average and actually better than at any point in any season in in years past so he is doing some things better but i'm like you i'm watching these games i'm looking i'm like we know why is schwarber not hitting those fastballs he seems off why is he not catching up the change-ups right down the middle he seems off and i and i i understand that but the point being is a lot of his underlying talent is still carrying him through and those issues those timing issues those sequencing issues come probably with just getting more playing time. So I think as the season goes on, I would not be surprised even soon here on that he starts to break out. I just wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Okay, so let's preview the series against the St. Louis Cardinals. So they do have a three-game set in Wrigley Field, which you can get tickets to through SeatGeek. As you guys know, the show is sponsored by SeatGeek because the ticket industry has not changed in a long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, 
but don't really care about making the experience easier for the customer. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map. So it's pretty simple to find what you're looking for. For example, green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced deals. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I've been using it for years, as you guys know. Any type of sporting event, I use SeatGeek. Even for concerts, I've used SeatGeek. I get my tickets, I'm not kidding you, within five minutes. It's that easy. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is use the promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code Cubs related for $10 off your first purchase. The first game is on Friday, your typical start time of 1.20 p.m. Central. And uh, Jack Flaherty is taking the mound for the Cardinals. If you remember, he was the Cardinals' first round draft pick in 2014. He's 23 years old. He's a 3-1 record on the year, a 4.06 ERA. He throws gas. I mean, absolute gas. He has great secondary offerings to go along with it. So not an easy out. Uh, for Hendricks, he'll be taking the mound with a 1-4 record, a 5.33 ERA. Left a lot of sinkers up over the middle of the plate last start, so looking for him to get those pitches down in the zone. He said that he had a poor mental approach his last outing, so again, you know, just looking for him to tighten things up and improve that command, which will happen. On Saturday, the Cubs have a somewhat late start time for probably national TV, and Michael Waka will take the mound for the Cardinals. Waka this year is 2-0 with a 4.78 ERA, and Yu Darvish will face Waka with a 2-3 record in a 5.02 ERA. Darvish, his last outing, Looked a little better, still did not showcase that fastball command that you want to see, but he did get whiffs, he did get strikeouts, he did go deep in the game, which was a positive stepping stone, so looking for him to continue on that start. And then on Sunday, the Cubs will face the Cardinals' Adam Wainwright, a you know typical figure in this Cubs rivalry for almost a decade now. They'll be playing on Sunday Night Baseball for the first time, and the start time for this is 6.05 p.m. Central Time, and it's one hour moved up from last year's Sunday Night Baseball scheduling. So if you're expecting your 7.05 p.m. start time, uh, be aware, it's 6.05, it's moved up an hour. Wainwright is 3-2 with a 3.37, or rather 3.73 ERA. He'll be facing Jose Quintana, who's 3-1 with a 3.48 ERA. Q looking pretty good, wasn't as sharp his last outing that he as he was in his previous three outings, so just looking for him to, to get back down to that level that we saw him uh, for the majority of April, honestly. So overall, look, the Cardinals are 20 and 10, the Cubs are 16 and 12. As it stands now, the Cubs are three games back of the Cardinals. The Brewers are still playing. Actually, they may have just wrapped up that game. Um, they did. So the Brewers ended up, uh, no, they're still playing. I'm sorry. So as it stands now, the Cubs are half a game up of Milwaukee. Milwaukee's 17 and 14. And the Cubs are ahead of Pittsburgh, who's 14 and 14, and the Reds at 13 and 17. So that's the makeup of the division. Still tough, but this is kind of the type of series we as fans 
live for honestly i mean this is this is it this is cups cardinals this is first place second place it's early on in the year but these games matter they just do they matter so that's what i'm looking for uh, ideally i want to see darvish just locate that fastball command if i had to pick anything to come out from the series it is darvish's command it's just i gotta see a Corey. so other than that anything you're looking for well, I just to, to follow up on that, the Brewers down 10-4 to 4 in this one, so hopefully that is okay. uh, going to be a loss for them with the way that you know they, things have gone for them in the last year. A, a seven-run ninth inning or something stupid certainly wouldn't surprise me, uh, but hopefully that's a loss. It should be. And then the Cardinals do get Steven Strasburg in the finale with the Nationals on Thursday as the Cubs are off, so it would be nice uh, if Strasburg and the Nationals Nationals, Strasburg. I don't know why I said Strasburg, but uh, if they could serve them an L uh, and send them to Wrigley on a more sour note than laying down and dying for the Cardinals as they have done this entire season. The Nationals at 12 and 17, a rough start for them, uh, sans Bryce Harper. But Looking at this Cardinal series, it's pretty much the same thing as it's been. This Cubs team is playing really well, so I, I don't know that I have anything in particular. I mean, look, you'd like Hendricks to be better. You would like to—this th- would be an awesome time for you to kind of have know, right? his big Breakout. start with the Cubs. Like, a, a weekend series at Wrigley Field against the first-place Cardinals would be an awesome time for you to just have that start with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, He, you know, as we mentioned, was able to put together a good quality start uh, after, you know, some rough command in the early going of that Arizona start. And yeah, Brendan, I mean, you know, you certainly want to see him be able to trust that fastball more, be able to locate it with more precision. Uh, But overall, like this team has played very, very well. I, I made mention of this last time, but for them to be four games over 500 as we are now officially in the month of May when they were at one point one and six and then two and seven in the early going of this season is really impressive. And I I think that there is a lot going on with this team right now that should inspire confidence, not necessarily just the record. I, I think that they have played a lot of games where they have had to come back or hold close leads and, you know, face good pitchers. They've they've beaten good teams. They've done it at home. They've done it on the road. Like, this is a really good stretch for this team. And, you know, you add in things like the Zobris story over the weekend where he and some other veterans campaigned for Bodie to get back in there. Like, it, it there's just a good vibe going around uh, about this team right now. And there's no better way, really, Brendan, to keep that going than uh, to take two of three or to sweep the St. Louis Cardinals. And if the Nationals are able to pick up the win tomorrow, uh, unless my math is incorrect, a sweep would have the Cubs in first place by the end of the weekend. So let's just do that. I think that would be uh, the best the best solution, I think, for everybody involved. But it, it's, you know, it's always fun. I, I use air quotes to a degree uh, when the Cardinals come to town. Um, you know, the the games just have a different feel to them. I think, uh, you know, even watching on TV, but certainly if you've attended either in Chicago or St. Louis, you know that. The, these games just have a different buzz about them. The fans have a, a, a different buzz around them. And I think to pick up this series would be, you know, a big one. And I think everyone would feel 
quite good about it, especially given the way that the Cubs have been playing lately. I must say, uh, you know, I don't appreciate Brendan, and I, 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 you're not really with me on this, but do we have to do Sunday Night Baseball? There's three episodes of Game of Thrones left. Like, can you just leave us alone for this? Like, uh, especially the Cubs Cardinals, Brendan. I mean, this is pretty cruel uh, to do to people, but... You mean you don't like listening to A-Rod? Right, as I'm trying. To, and and you know what, Brendan? <laughs> Knowing A-Rod, he's going to spoil Game of Thrones in the middle of the game. Like, he would be that person, right? Like, oh, by the way, I don't know if you guys are, uh, <laughs> you know, saving that episode of Game of Thrones, but here's what just happened, in case you were wondering. Uh, I certainly wouldn't put it past A-Rod, too. And you know if you Darvish has a bad outing on Saturday, he'll be he's mouthing be all yeah, over that on Sunday. Sure. Yeah, so... Ugh. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, the, my TV viewing aside, um, it should be fun. I, I mean, look, and and this is, we, coming off a year where you drop the division by a game, even though you won 95 games, and you look at the way this division has played out uh, in some of these seasons, obviously in 2016, the Cubs win it rather easily, and then 92 games wins it in 2017, uh, but you had three teams in this division win 97 plus games in 2015. Uh, of course, the Cubs coming in third there, but beating the Pirates in the wildcard game and then eliminating these St. Louis Cardinals, uh, who have not been back mm-hmm. to the playoffs since. I would be remiss if I didn't get that jab in there. Uh, and then last year, you know, you have two teams win 95 games in the 162-game season, and the Brewers take the division in the tiebreaker, but it's these series that, you know, sometimes those seasons come down to. And, you know, this is what you talk about when you get down to the end of the year. You know, you want to have done your best to control your own destiny. And, you know, obviously it's still early and there will be plenty of baseball to play regardless of how this weekend goes at Wrigley Field. But you want to beat up on the teams that you're competing directly with as much as you can because, you know, you can always take care of your own business and this is a chance for you to uh, take care of the Cardinals' business as well. So I I am hopeful for two of three. That's, uh, you know, you never ask for a sweep. I think that's always too much to ask. It would be great. It would be cool to be in first place come Monday. But let's take two of three. Let's get some good starting pitching performances out of these guys. And, you know, just keep the good vibes going. This team has played awfully well, and the result of this weekend won't change that. It has been a very good stretch for several weeks now uh, of this Chicago Cubs team. And... Let's let's just try to take two or three here at Wrigley. I mean, s- simple as that. Let's go. If they can come out and imagine, 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 if they come out of this series with a sweep, look out. That Monday episode is going to be something oh, else. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I, like, this is, again, I keep saying this, but this is kind of what you watch the game for. The Cardinals are hot. They're 20 and 10. They're coming off a huge winning stretch. Cubs are coming off another huge winning stretch. And to some degree, like the Cardinals have been chasing the Cubs for a few years now. So it's just going to be fun. So enjoy yeah. it. It's the first, other than the Brewer series, the first like big series of the year. It'll be fun, Corey. Yeah, I mean, look, as as much as we hate the Cardinals and, uh, you know, we joke about St. Louis, et cetera, this is, you know, really, truly, I think, uh, for us, this is baseball at its best. Like you said, this is uh, 
when things are the best and and those big moments are even bigger in in series like this you know you think back to like that grand slam that Kyle Schwarber had against the Cardinals or Hector Rondon striking out uh to win the NLDS in 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 2015 at Wrigley Field like those are huge moments and it's they're just elevated because it's the Cubs because it's the Cardinals Bush Stadium Wrigley Field like it's it's what is Again, as gross as the St. Louis Cardinals are, they do somehow combine for, you know, baseball at its best, I think. However that works, uh, I'm not, you know, a mathematician, but the formula works, right? So... I think that's all we have for you. Uh, this was, boy, was this a positive episode. I don't know if there was one negative even sentiment in this series, and I'm not going to change that now. So, uh, and there shouldn't be. This team is playing very well. Uh, you know, we've we've mentioned before, they dug themselves out of a early season hole very, very quickly. They seemed really determined to uh, not let that bad start stick with them for very long. We heard all off season about the urgency and winning these getaway days sweeping when you have the chance, etc. And they, they've really done a good job in the early going here to, uh, you know, live up to that and, and show that they are not going to settle for losing the division in a tiebreak. They are going to come out and, and, you know, be that team that we expect them to be. So as always, we will talk to you uh, on Sunday. It, it's a, a late one for all of us, uh, but you will hear from us, uh, you know, very late Sunday night or certainly early on Monday morning. And we will, you know, then get you prepared for that next big series, a couple in a row here. So it's, uh, you know, buckle up a little bit, Cubs fans. But as always, we thank you guys very much for listening. You can find Brendan at Cubs Related on Twitter. That is our Instagram handle, but that would be me uh, running it, talking to you, DMing you, whatever. Uh, I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. You can find us at CubsInsider.com. We are on the Cubs Insider YouTube channel. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Spreaker, etc. Uh, we we have gotten emails from some of you guys about uh, podcast feeds that you know may have not updated on some of these apps. We did switch hosts. I think I mentioned that. So be patient there. Some of them are still updating. It takes time. And if you're not seeing it, just let us know, and we will seriously do our best to uh, reach out to those platforms right away and make sure that that is updating for you. Uh, But as always, we thank you guys very much for joining us and interacting with us on social media. Uh, it's, It's already been a lot of fun this season and we're looking forward to more. So thank you very much for your listenership and your participation. Thank you again, and we will talk to you on Sunday night after the Cubs are... I dare I say it, hopefully in first place. But uh, whether it is an off day on Thursday or we are gearing up for a big series at Wrigley Field, go Cubs. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician. I can be referred to the lab. I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. As a small business owner, you're redefining business as usual. From rethinking the way you work to reassessing your bandwidth, you're changing the way you do business. And at Cox Business, so are we. 
with flexible internet packages to get you back to business. Rethink, reconnect, reimagine. Get 50 megs of internet for only $50 per month for six months. No annual contract required. And it's 93020. Restrictions apply. Visit coxbusiness.com for details. All services subject to Cox Business general terms. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Ready to get back to work this summer? Start a great job at UPS right away. Drive for UPS in your own car or enjoy active work keeping packages moving in the warehouse as a UPSer in Dulles. Earn $21 per hour as a driver, $14 per hour in the warehouse. Apply today to be a warehouse worker or personal vehicle driver at UPS. Search and apply now at upsjobs.com slash summer. That's upsjobs.com slash summer. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.